0: This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pots to attract and retain real A players. Join us where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a Blue Collar Culture. Now, here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. My guest today is no stranger to the construction industry. She has been Around for quite a while and made a huge impact in her ability to help teams put together very successful projects. In fact, some of the stories that she'll be able to share with you sound impossible. I don't know how else to say it. They just sound impossible. But it's amazing what happens when teams trust each other. They come together and really collaborate in a way that is very creative. They're able to achieve impossible results. Sue Dyer has been around the construction industry for quite a while. In fact, she's been doing it for so long. She has a ton of research and data around why this works. But her expertise is in helping teams trust each other. And as much as we want to think that construction is all about how fast we can build and how cheap we can build it for, how much profit we can make, there's so much more that goes into it. And her Trusted Leader program, it's going to transform construction companies all over the country. I'm so excited to have Sue here today to share her insight about what it takes to build these high-performing teams. Well, Sue, I am excited to have you here today. Welcome to the show. Thanks
1: so much, Ryan. I'm really excited to be here.
0: We haven't known each other that long, but I feel like we have because we have so much in common with the people we serve, our passion for the industry, making sure that we're out there helping construction company owners solve some of their biggest challenges. So let me ask you this. One of my favorite questions to ask is, what is the biggest myth about your industry and the work that you do?
1: Well, I believe that the biggest myth that's out there is that we believe as construction leaders, whether you're at a project level or a business level, that somehow we can have fear and still be successful. And fear leads on projects to fighting with each other, holding Mm. our cards close to the vest, not sharing completely, especially on low bid projects, because they aren't going to share what they have in their pocket that's trying to make it work. And the owner isn't sharing what they have in their pocket to try to make it work for them. And the designer is just going, look, you're messing up my design. And so we think that all this fear is somehow going to protect us when in fact it ends up completely undermining our ability to succeed ends up being a lose lose and we could be so much more successful if we could create a high trust environment and i've been on this road and this path for a long long time 40 years working in construction and for 35 years doing the experiments to see what does it take to create a high trust high-performing team, whether it's a business team or whether it's a project team. And that's where I came to create my trusted leader continuum, where there's a continuum of leadership, where on one side is fear, which has been the tradition in construction for about 100 years that we teach our folks that they're to drive the crude, make it happen, you know, get production, get going, get going. And so that's been our norm for about a hundred years. And I believe we have to move on to the other side of the continuum now where it's more collaborative based on high trust. And mm-hmm. let me just tell you why. So if we go through the continuum and I'm on a project with someone who is a benevolent dictator, and I've actually sat in construction offices where you're not there more than maybe five minutes, And you realize, oh, on this place, I better do what I'm told, because if I don't, punishment will be involved and people don't want to be punished. So they do what they're told. But I got hired because I'm seasoned. I'm an expert in my area. I'm the best of the best at what I do. And so they hired me for my expertise. So I feel as though I'm really being treated in a way that I'm being forced to do things that I don't think is necessarily the best thing. And maybe I really don't believe it's the best way to operate on our project or the best decision, but it's my job. So I do it.
0: It's really interesting how you position that because it's almost this vicious cycle that we get into. Like as you're describing it, I'm not seeing anything, but I'm picturing in my head, that you have this owner or this leader who's like, you know what, I can't trust them anyways, so I'm gonna act in a way that's consistent with that. And then the employee sitting there, well, I can't trust him, so maybe he's lying to me and I'm gonna act in a way that's consistent. with. We just get into this vicious cycle of nobody trusts anybody and they think that Because we're operating this way and it's the way we've operated for 100 years. Well, that's the only way to operate.
1: Well, not only that, it's so contagious because now I'm the seasoned professional and I have people working for me. And how do I treat them? The same way. So coercion Mm. becomes the norm. And then what happens is it looks like everything settles in and we're working really well together. But actually, it's just compliance. We're just complying. You do this. Okay. You do that. Okay. Well, what do you want me to do? Then people wait until you give them the next order, right? So then when a big project issue comes up, the team sees it. They're smart. They know they've probably been through it before on another project or something in your business, but no one says anything. Mm -hmm. No one steps up. No one works to solve the problem. And that leads to the failure of so many projects and complete businesses wiped out. We looked at 19 forensic studies of construction, and the forensic studies only happen when they are deemed a failure, a big failure. Mm-hmm. And what we found is 100% of the time, this is what happened. It wasn't some big technical problem. It was the team didn't step up and share, talk, talk. Or solve.
0: And the foundation of that is this fear, this lack of trust. And why do you find that this is perpetuated in the industry? What do you think is going through people's minds outside of habit that really keeps this being something that I mean you have to deal with?
1: Well, I think there's many things, but one of the things that comes to my mind very first is we are ignorant and in denial. Mm -hmm. that we are interdependent and on every construction project, every person that is working there, whether you're a fourth tier sub, a general contractor, a designer, who's not quite as much involved anymore, but still integral. And certainly the owner's team, including the construction manager are interdependent. They can't succeed without the help of each other. Mm -hmm. And yet we act as if we're all little dependent, little silos doing our own work, especially you see that in the trades, you know, they put in the contract self-organized. Yeah. Well, that just means get your pipe out of my way. I just saw a picture where someone put a pipe through a ladder, installed the pipe through a ladder. Wow. So (laughs) it really is about knowing that we're actually interdependent and we're in this together and so it's a tradition over the years to be protecting or policing, to protect our own interests and try to make sure that what I bid at bid time, I get out of the project. So it's like full speed ahead, get out of my way. I'm going ahead, not realizing that it really is a dance. And if you work together, you could go faster.
0: You know, it's interesting. I hear you talking about this from the perspective of, Project management, getting the contractors to work together well, getting the teams to work together well. I see this a lot in the hiring problems as well, because people work for one of these toxic cultures, you know, where it's, we rule through fear and it's all about the stick mentality, do this or else. And they come up and then they go get another job because they can't stand anymore. And they find out that company is the exact same way. And then they go do it again. And the next company is the exact same way. And all of a sudden, these people don't want to do this kind of work anymore.
1: In the industry, that's a big problem. But not only that, you don't make as much money. You aren't as successful. It costs the owners a delta of somewhere between 10 and 50% extra. And it costs the contractors the ability to know that they can succeed with what they have bid. It's not predictable, which is what I've been working on for 35 years is try to create predictable outcomes so that, you know, your project is on time, on budget with the amount of quality that's needed for it to actually work, which happens during the design phase, but and creating more and more levels of collaboration. So we've got to push more towards a trusted leader model. Construction is the only industry in the United States that for 53 years has gone down in productivity points every single year. Mm. All other industries in the United States have gone up 173%. Wow. We're playing the game by the wrong rules. I guess that's what I would say.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So let's talk about that. So I love helping our listeners get something to take away, something that they can go do, an action. What are two actions that they can take to either move away from this, like just start the process or something they can do that can really just transform their organization?
1: Well, here's an exercise I like to do. And you can do this within your own business maybe first. And then when you realize it, it works, you could do it on a project. So get a whiteboard. And draw a line down the middle of it. And on one side, say it's your estimating department. We're just going to do it inside. Estimating department, maybe in the middle is your accounting department. And then on the third side, we'll do three spots, is your field folk. So have them all write down on a construction project, what is it that you need in order to succeed? Because that's what their business is producing projects. So what is it you need to succeed? Have them write it down. Just write everything down that you need and then have them circle. What are the top three things that you need in order to be successful? And I will bet you it will be cost, scope, and schedule. Mm. And maybe there's some quality in there, you know, and, and you achieve that by getting production. They're all going to say the same thing. If you go onto a construction project you do the same thing and you give a flip chart or a board to the owner, the designer, the contractor, the subcontractors, and tell them, what do you need on this project to really be successful? Have them write it out. I've done it dozens of times on billion-dollar projects and $500,000 projects. They all write the same thing. What it does is it proves you're interdependent. We all need and want the same things.
0: So we can't point the finger at somebody else and say, well, it's on them. It's their fault. It's no, not my fault.
1: It's <laughs> it's this mythology that we have. The owner thinks, oh, the contractor's only trying to get change orders. They're trying to screw me. They're the low bidder. They're not going to be fair to me. And the contractor's thinking that the owner, they're just want to beat me up. They're not going to be fair to me. And the designer goes, they're not going to do what I want. I'm to try to make sure I get what I need. You know, they're not going to take advantage of me. So everyone goes in ready for a fight when they're really in it together. Yeah. And so we work against each other instead of with each other. And that is a tradition. If you just shift that even 10%, you're going to see a huge amount of momentum.
0: We talked about this in construction in one of our prior calls, just the difficulty being able to recruit from the younger generation and get younger talent out there. And a lot of the stuff is exactly what you're talking about, is we have this belief that if I do something, I'm going to lose. Almost 50% of construction companies do not put wages on their job descriptions when they post them online. And when I ask people, why don't you put what your wages are? Well, because they're going to want the top wage. And I don't want to pay that. I'm like, well, then why don't you put on there what you're comfortable paying and just realize the consequences are, well, I was open and honest with you and I put it out there. And if you don't want to apply for my jobs because I'm paying below market wages, then okay. But we have this belief that if I'm a little bit vulnerable and I am a little bit open with people, they're going to take advantage and hurt me.
1: And that's the fear playing out. And so you have to shift. If you want to be highly successful in construction, you have to shift that. And what I've learned is it only takes like one person in a key place or in the your real realm to begin to shift it to a more high trust, high performing. And remember, think about that. High trust equals high performing. So the more fear you have, the less performance you get. I've worked on several, but I'll just tell you about one. This was a runway safety area project for an international airport. And I'd worked on several RSAs, which the FAA required every airport in the country to have this runway safety area because their airplanes were running off the end and into the water or into other places. So they created this special concrete cells that absorb the impact and stops the airplane. So it's a very specific type of material and it completely disrupts operations of the airport. So at this airport, the FAA was worried that uh, most of these projects took around two years to complete. At this airport, the FAA said it's too impactful to air travel worldwide. So we're going to give you four months to build it. <laughs> okay. So the project team created a way to actually build it in 90 days. What? They co-located, they were a very high-performing team, they created an enormous amount of trust, we did a lot of partnering together, and they were able to do perform a million dollars of work per day for 90 days and got it all installed and opened up so the airplanes could take off and land.
0: I bet that was a pretty profitable job.
1: Oh, hundred percent. And <laughs> it wasn't easy. They had actually had blocks that got broken. we have pictures of guys chasing down FedEx trucks trying to get the blocks. We had to actually have a plane fly in to another airport and bring blocks that had broken. I mean, it was not an easy task. I have another project that we're going to do a taxiway and the main runway. Most of these projects took about two years as well. This project team figured out how to do $2 million a day of work. They completely did that in two weeks. Two weeks, wow. they did two years worth of work. These things are impossible to do if you don't have high trust. Yeah, The schedule was down to five-minute increments. Think about how many trucks had to bring in asphalt because this is paving, right? You're doing a structural section. There's hazardous materials. There's lights. There's all the technology that goes on. All that stuff had to happen in two weeks. Mm. So these are things that are possible. The higher the trust, the higher the performance.
0: Sure. I've listened to... Simon Sinek talk a lot about that trust and the work that he's done with the SEALs and those kinds of things to really understand how these high-performing military units are able to accomplish so much with so little resources, so little time, but they trust incredibly. I mean, levels that I probably couldn't even comprehend, right? I mean, we're literally talking life and death. You said something, though, that I want to dig into for a second. You said a little while back that, correct me here because I may not say it right, but you said something about it just takes one person to do this, like to start it. Yes. And my gut reaction to that is, oh, that person's going to get called out and be shipped out real fast. But you made it sound like that's not the case. Like they're the catalyst to start this whole thing. So I want to break that down for a minute. How does that work?
1: Yeah, if you can train yourself and know what it feels like to create a high trust atmosphere, which is why I wrote my book. I have five models I've created over the 35 years. But the first book I wrote now is the trusted leader, because I see the need for the leaders, whether you're a crew leader, a superintendent, uh, you're leading a whole project, you're a CM, you're the owner, it doesn't matter. You need to know how to create a high trust atmosphere. And that is what I embedded in this book. So the thing to do is first, you got to know what it is. So it's the partnering approach. Partnering approach has two components to it. One is 10 partnering principles or intentions and when you embed this in how you operate it just naturally begins to create high trust and then the other is six partnering values and those values create the behaviors So if you want to change the behavior of your people or your team, it starts with values. So Mm -hmm. values create attitudes and attitudes create behaviors. And your principles are creating the processes, the attitudes, the atmosphere. You know, I think of it as the intention of high trust. So there's principles in there that you work by and you live by on your projects. And then you'll begin to create this high trust atmosphere. Now, first, it might just be amongst a few people. And then they're going to go, how the heck did you do that? We -hmm. had people from the FAA all over the country coming to see what that project team was doing. (laughs) And then it begins to ripple out to where, okay, show us what you did so we can do it. So then another team or another group within the team is doing that. And then more people go, well, wait a minute, we need to do that. Then pretty soon you get senior management going, wait a minute, how are we going to do that? How can we do that on our project?
0: So so it creates this ripple effect, but... The level of trust, though, when the FAA comes in and says, hey, we want your trade secrets. What are you doing? What's your competitive advantage? And then to be able to share that with them, knowing full well they're going to share it with other contractors and be like, did you see what they did? To realize that there's enough out there that we can all share and we can all be more productive and do this together.
1: It's self-defeating not to because the more people who you can work with who have this mindset the more predictable your results are, the smarter, better, and faster you go. And then actually what happens is you begin to be seen as this guru for always having these successful projects. And everyone's going, how did you do that? You become very marketable in the marketplace for sure.
0: And as business grows, you have to have more and more people that are willing to play that game with you. Because if it's only a small group and you don't share it with others, you can't take on more projects. You can't grow.
1: No, because that's fear. Not sharing it is fear. It's incremental too. So you start, say, at level one, then you move it to level two and you go, this is cool, okay. Then you see, oh, we can move it to level three. We can move it to level four. And then they begin to see how much better and smarter and say, well, let's overcome some other barriers. So with some organizations, when they've learned how to do it on their projects, they realize, especially owners, like yeah. prod, facility owners, well, what in our specs are barriers to trust? What's in our contract that's a barrier to trust? And so they begin to work on policies and processes and practices that are more trusting and less fearful.
0: Mm. As easy as you make it sound. <laughs> I mean, even I'm having this reaction of, I don't know if I could do that. If it's that easy. It's not easy, but it's simple, but not easy. It takes practice. So let's talk about what are some of the things that we can practice to start doing that? What are some things that we can do on a regular basis so that we can get over our fears and get a little more comfortable with this action?
1: Well, I think the first thing to do would be to understand that you are interdependent and just knowing that. So operate like, okay, we're in this together and I can't really succeed without the help of others. So that paradigm, that is how you operate. So that would be the first thing. And let me just show you mathematically how it is. I like to think in terms of math. Most construction projects operate sort of like a zero-sum game. So I'm going to put my stuff in. You put your stuff in. Unless you do something for me, I'm not doing anything for you. And so mathematically, that's one plus one equals zero. So you're putting in a lot of resources and not getting a lot out. So then other people say, well, okay, we have to be a little more collaborative. So we're going to compromise. Mathematically, compromise is one plus one equals one and a half. So it's still a lose-lose for both sides. Then if you begin to be collaborative and creative, you want to get to a creative mindset, innovation. Now one plus one equals three. Now you're getting somewhere. And when you have enough trust to where you're actually co-creating, it doesn't matter who pays your paycheck. It doesn't matter what business you're working for. We are all focused on the success of the project and working together and making this happen. Now one plus one can equal 30. So it's breaking down the barriers between the silos on a project or within your business so that it's one team. So focusing on one team, focused on the success of your project, the team determines what success is. What day are we going to finish? What's the budget? What are we going to come in ahead of time? I have one team that said, you know, we really want to save some money on this project because the maintenance group hasn't had any ability to have any money to create some benefits on this. It was a roadway and we really want to try to do that. So they made a commitment to save a half a million dollars on this project. So in year one, they saved 250,000 in year two, they saved 250,000 and they were able to give that to the maintenance department to go and make some other benefits to the roadway that would never Mm -hmm. have happened. You know, it would get flooded every time it rained. Mm. I think for a person, it's so much about mindset. So I know I'm talking about mindset, but it is mindset. You have to realize, think about when you play a game, if you're playing by the different rules, if I said, okay, we're going to play soccer, but we're going to play by the rules of checkers, Mm -hmm. it doesn't work. And that's the problem is it's that you've got different set of rules to make collaboration work. And that's why you're seeing in construction so many different new models of delivery. Yeah. But what I've learned, it doesn't matter. The delivery method doesn't matter. The mindset matters.
0: You know, it's interesting that you bring up games. I played a game called Fresh Biz a few years ago and it was transformative for me. It's a game like Monopoly but they hate it when I say it's like Monopoly because what's the point of Monopoly? The point of Monopoly is if you, Sue, and I are playing Monopoly, the point is to get as many hotels and houses and buy as many properties so that when you come by my place, I can potentially bankrupt you. Like That's the point of Monopoly is we bankrupt each other. And Fresh Biz, which they play a lot with teams that want to learn how to collaborate, those silos you were talking about, accounting in the field and all of those silos, And how we break them down in the game of Fresh Biz, the only way to win is if everybody wins together. And so you start playing the game and you play it like Monopoly. Well, I'm going to hold my cards close. I'm not going to show people what's going on. I'm not going to say, hey, don't land there because then I get paid. And you start realizing that you're losing the game by playing this way. As you go through the game, you're like, I can't win if I keep playing this way. And so it challenges you to think differently. And the concept is to get to an island. Like, imagine if I won and got to an island by myself. It'd be really boring. (laughs) Like, what am I going to do? So the whole point is we got to get everybody the island together. And sometimes that means there's something that I can do that is going to help you in a way that's going to 10X our efforts together. But if I hold it myself, just so your point, you're one, I'm one, maybe we get two out of our collaboration. But if I tell you about this thing that I have or that I can do, it could 10X our results. And it was a really good game for me because it opened my eyes to this collaboration that you're talking about. And it comes from trust. It does. And we talk about trust a lot in the work we do. We have a team right now that we're talking about vulnerability. I don't know if you've heard of Brene Brown. Oh, yeah. I just made everybody watch that last week. I'm like, you're all going to watch it and we're going to talk about this because you guys are not good at this. And so much of what we've done in construction is really about hey, I don't want to get hurt, so I'm going to protect me. And if it hurts everybody else, tough. And here we are 50 years later, just like you said, and the only industry that's been impacted by this is construction. And it's the epidemic. It's something that we can't, there's nobody really out there working to fix it, short of people like you and me who are doing as much as we can. But we've really got to come together and realize if our mindset doesn't change, we're in
1: for a world of hurt. And then each person that's working in construction, because I love construction, I love the people, they're the salt of the earth, but each person in construction needs to take the responsibility that it's your job to help create that high trust atmosphere. You know, Construction is the highest suicide rate also of any industry right now. So it's fun. It needs to be fun to work together and build things and see them come to fruition and work together as a team. The other thing that kills construction is complexity. And there's so much complexity. You figure if you work even on a small project, you've got dozens of companies that have to come together to build that project. And if everyone is bringing their own culture for their business and leadership style, everyone is bringing their own interests at my heart and forget about you guys. And if everyone comes and they are just ready for a fight, then it's a lose, 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 lose for everyone.
0: Those silos have to get broken down. And that's what I'm seeing is it's the us and them. It's the office versus the field. It's production versus safety. It's supplier versus contractor. Like it's all an us or them. Like we all point fingers and we blame everybody else. And we realize, hey, wait a minute, I'm only hurting me and or the project if I keep this mindset and this behaviors up.
1: Yes, I think that would be the number one walk away from today would be to see red flags whenever you feel like or hear someone else say something that's a blaming tone like you want to write something about you've done this to me (laughs) that would be a time when instead of writing that you need to go have a face-to-face eyeball-to-eyeball meeting
0: yeah and talk about
1: it and talk through it it only takes one person to shift it And, you know, my background was labor where I negotiated with a lot of the unions. So there was no more adversarial place than that. And my job was to create high trust there so that we could create solutions for the industry. And that is what we did. So projects are the similar, have similar dynamics in that we're interdependent. Mm -hmm. And when an interdependent relationship, there is only win-win or lose-lose. And on most of these projects, people are negotiating about someone else is going to lose more than me. Yeah, that is still a lose.
0: That was one of my takeaways with playing Fresh Biz was that, you know, it's all a metaphor for how we play in the real world. Like we're playing this board games metaphor for how we play in the real world. And I stood up and I shared with the group that I played with. I said, you know, the way that I have played through most of my life is, hey, as long as I win and you don't lose we're okay. Like you can be zero sum, but I need to come out ahead. Right. And that was the game I was always playing. I was like, well, wait a minute. They still lost because they put in the effort. They put in the resources. They put in the time.
1: And they're not available for the next job. Yeah. They're where they started. (laughs) So,
0: oh my gosh. So I've enjoyed this. I know we can keep talking. I wrote down three takeaways that I got out of this. I just want to go back over and make sure I got it right. I love that exercise of the whiteboard and being able to say hey grab your groups you know really think about who are silos inside your organization bring them all in a room together and say what do we need to win on this project and we'll find out that we all need the same exact things. The second one which was probably the most impactful for me is you got to have the guts to go first. All you need is one person to say hey we're going to change the way we do this we're going to do it a little bit differently and you just it'll be a ripple effect. Like I just kept seeing that ripple effect and then I love the last one, which I think is probably the most practical because you can put it into action right now is see those red flags when someone is blaming someone else for the situation or the problem or whatever it is we're dealing with. So how do people learn more about you? You've got a course coming out. You've got a book. There's a ton of information. I'm sure you have a ton of resources and clearly a wealth of knowledge on this. How do people get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, so one of the best things to do would be to listen to my podcast, Lead With Trust, because on that I'm trying to share everything that I've learned. I just try to put it on there. So Lead With Trust podcast and sudico.com, S-U-D-Y-C-O.com is my website. And the course will be coming, launching in January. So you can begin to save spots now and so that you can get the hold of that. It walks you through my book, which is, I was fortunate enough, became number two on Wall Street Journal. So congratulations. And All of the examples and everything in there is construction related. So it will teach you how to understand, walk you through what you need to do to create the framework in your mind and a framework to follow so that then you do daily practice to train your brain by incorporating the intentions and the values into what you do every day. And at the end of the course you will do a 30 day, do the impossible challenge. You'll pick one of those things and we will walk through it till you take it from being impossible to possible, to probable, to inevitable.
0: I love it. And if you're listening right now and you're like, yeah, I'm not really in construction and maybe I service the construction world, every industry on the planet, last time I checked, has human beings. And what we're talking about here is how to work better together, interdependency. So I'm sure a lot of your principles, even though the examples are construction, I, I mean, imagine yeah, the book all actually translates. is written
1: for general business, which is how it got to be Wall Street Journal.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And you have an offer or a giveaway for our listeners. There, right? I
1: do. So if we're talking about the continuum of leadership with fear on one side and trust on the other side of the continuum, if you or your team members want to know where you fall along the continuum You can go to Sudico.com slash profile, S-U-D-Y-C-O.com slash profile, and you can check that out, see where you fall. You'll get trust level. You'll see your primary style, which is how you are actually leading, and you'll also get your secondary style, which is how you perceive you're leading. So sometimes there's a difference between how we think we're leading and how we actually are leading. So you can check that out. There's like five other component parts to that. You can all for free. So just check it out. Sudico.com/profile. P-R-O-F-I-L-E and Sudico's S-U-D-Y-C-O.
0: And we will have all those links in the show notes. So if you are behind the windshield right now, listening to this, make sure you come to the website, check it out at thecorematters.com. We've got all the episodes there. We'll have all the links and everything in the show notes for you. If you weren't taking notes. Sue, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. Talking about how we work together and this interdependency is something that I'm passionate about. I think it's what the industry really needs right now is for us to start trusting each other more. And we're gonna do amazing things with that. So thanks for being on the show today.
1: Well, thank you so much for letting me be here. And I hope that we hear some stories of people that actually began to implement a higher trust atmosphere on their projects or within their business.
0: Awesome, I hope for that too. Thanks again. Thank you. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by BlueCollarCulture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to BlueCollarCulture.com.